Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the 286th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the Professor Emeritus, Matt Perkins. And a waggle route across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. What's up, man? Uh, apparently I went into uh, witness protection. Uh, I'm now the co-DC at Clemson University, so that's going to be uh, that's gonna be awesome. But uh no, uh, you went back to your uh, wing T days with that waggle reference, didn't you? There, Matt. Listen, man, we uh, the the waggle route was in in my uh, in my brief time that I played tight end before I transitioned to center. That was my favorite route to run. So there you go. Well, uh, before we get into more routes, we need to introduce the third amigo in the second city, a man whose favorite amendment is the twenty first. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten Accounting, Josh Cook. Well, yeah. I mean, let's uh, let's talk about amendments. Wh- which is your favorite, Coach? The right to bear arms, <laughs> screw sleeves. <laughs> um, no, I, I I like the uh, I like the first one. Uh, the first one's really good. It allows us to be here talking to you now. So. Ooh. I like the third amendment. I don't want soldiers staying in my house. <laughs> Damn it, Josh! You just took my thunder. Well, that's after, what I was going to uh, say. I, I, we'll we'll have an appreciation for the for the fifth amendment. No, not the fifth amendment. What what is uh, is it the eighth amendment? Cruel and unusual punishment. After listening to us talk about these bowl games, or <laughs> having to watch these bowl games coming up. Yeah. Some of them are really good. Some of some them, of them, some them are. are. Some of them not so much. Some of them some, are not so much. So some of them, some of them bad. No, this show this show will give you a reprieve if in case you're in case you're wondering. So. Strap up, enjoy the ride. As most of you guys already know, we are presented to you by betonline.ag and we're better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of NBA season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all basketball and football action this season. So head on over to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your welcome bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right. Well, well before we get into those bowl games, guys, uh, we're going to do a little more tidying on the coach carousel. Uh, it has been, it keeps working even when we're not. A couple more hires that we're going to go through really quick here. Uh, first of all, Oregon has replaced Mario Cristobal with Dan Lanning, the, your defensive coordinator coach. Uh, we're yeah. going to do what we usually do. Josh and I grade yeah. it. Coach is the arbiter of coaching justice. I gave this one a B minus. Clearly, very talented defensive mind. Young guy, 35 years old. Uh, and he is still, you know, relatively fresh in the coaching game. Uh, he hasn't been a, even a power five, he hasn't even been a coordinator for all that long. Very limited experience on the West Coast. I think he was a GA at Arizona State. And then I think he was a recruiting assistant at Arizona State. Each of those for like a season. That's really about it. 
you know, Corey be able to tell us a little bit more about him, but I was expecting someone who had more, either more head coaching experience or more time as a power five coordinator. But Josh, what do you think? A very similar to you, Matt. I gave it a B, a pinch higher. Obviously, Georgia's defense was phenomenal this last season. Uh, he's been one of those up-and-coming names, so you know maybe getting in on the ground floor with him for Oregon is a plus. You mentioned his age, 35. Um, I, I'm curious, kind of this youth coach movement uh, in the day and age of these, you know, NIL, these other deals, things that some of the players are doing. If he'll be equipped to handle that, since he's younger and a little bit more social media savvy, all that fun stuff. Um, I think the downsides, Matt, you, you pointed out, they're pretty obvious. He's never been a head coach, zero ties to the area. So, you know, if he hits a home run, what's stopping him from bolting like the last few Oregon coaches? Um, I think the other downside is really glaring. Um, and this is not on Dan. Uh, this is not on Coach Manning. I don't know why I felt like I'm on a first-day basis with him calling him Dad. But uh, the what, what I'm curious about is – what transpired in those Chip Kelly meetings? Is he a consolation prize? And if that's the case, why? Why did Chip Kelly spurn them? Um, or did Oregon go, hey, this guy's not really doing all that much at UCLA. Maybe maybe we don't bring him back. Um, I think this hire creates that curiosity, but obviously that can't be factored into the grade. Well, as far as the Chip Kelly thing goes, I... I would venture to say that they realize that Chip Kelly ain't the same Chip Kelly. That magic has long gone. So they must have evaluated that situation and said, yeah, no thanks. Um, where I wonder is, you know, Kalani Sataki, where did he finish in the race? Was he really interested? Uh, was he using that to get a, a, an extension and a raise at BYU? In which, which he, he got. Which he got. Um, you know, what, what was what was the deal with those talks? But um, – Dan Lanning is somebody that 10 short years ago was a GA at Pittsburgh, uh, had to camp out in his car to get that opportunity. I mean, he has not been in college football very, very long. The, the, uh, the rise in his career in which he has had, I mean, he goes, I mean, he was a GA as late as 2015 at Alabama. And then 2016 was his first real on the field a coaching job in Division One college football, or FBS football, I should say, um, at Memphis, and then uh, he spent a, he spent a season there, and then then came to Georgia and was at Georgia ever since. But you know, just an impressive career, just how fast it's moved, um, which leads you to believe that this guy's legit as far as that goes. I mean, you don't move that fast um, up the ladder at places like you know places like Georgia and Oregon and, you know, in the SEC and in this part of the country, like it, it just doesn't happen. So there's something special about him as far as that goes. What that is will remain to be seen. I worry about the and, – and I'm going to grade this very similarly to what I did with uh, Brent Venables um, because we just don't know what he's going to be like uh, in that head coaching role. He is – I mean – I think when you when you look at personalities, I think he has more of the personality or potential for the personality for a head coach than Brent Venables does. Uh, obviously, his recruiting acumen is second to none. I mean, it's it's insanely good. Uh, just look at Georgia's class and what they're going to sign tomorrow for, uh, as we record on the Tuesday for early signing day. Uh, I like it. Uh, I'm I'm 
skeptical of how he's going to do. You know, again, the the fit. He he doesn't have any ties to that to that part of the country. It's not an easy job, um, but I, I think ultimately he'll do good. I, I'm, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna agree with uh, with Matt. I'm, I'm gonna give it a B minus. I'm gonna give it just above a C. Um, I'm gonna give it a B minus. I, I think it's a great hire, and I think that the the kicker is going to be that recruiting aspect. All right, let's head over to Duke, who has hired Mike Elko, a name that's been bantied around for a while. It seems like a couple seasons now. People have been sort of having him in the mix as a potential coach. He finally makes a jump from Texas A&M. And for me, uh, I think this is about as well as Duke could imagine doing. Really strong defensive mind. We know that should up the recruiting game. We know Duke is a very difficult job. Uh, one of the toughest that there is in the Power Five. You know, if you look at them, I mean, Wake Forest, they just had a phenomenal year, but Wake Forest, traditionally tough place to do well at. Vanderbilt, schools like that that have those really high academic standards. I think Elko is a, a really solid hire. And as far as, you know, from the coordinator level, he has, he has more experience than, than, than someone like Lanning. But it's, it's a tougher job as well. But I'm giving it a B because I think they will be patient with him. They, the Duke administration has shown yeah, you know, just how much patience they, they had with Cutcliffe. And I think that you know Elko it has positioned himself that if he doesn't do great here, it's not his fault. It's, it's Duke's fault, right? But if he does great, he's the guy that really brought Duke football back. I think this is a win-win. Um, I'm going to put, put, make this a B plus. I want a pinch higher. What an A minus. He's been, you mentioned it, his name's been around. He's extremely popular on that up-and-coming watch list. Uh, his defensive work has been really impressive. I noticed he took Bowling Green uh, from like the hundreds to a top 10 defense while he was there. Um, this kind of segues to the fact that he knows the ACC well. Uh, he coached at Wake Forest. He's been uh, with Dave Clawson for a long time back to uh, Bowling Green uh, before he branched out on his own. So I think it was a really good hire for Duke to nab this guy. Um, the reason I didn't go higher is I have some interesting reservations that I sort of factored in. Um, I'm curious if he's been in the running for all of these jobs, why didn't he get any of them? What happened? Mm -hmm. Uh, what happened in his interviews? Does he maybe get nervous and not interview well, or conversely, if he's passing not on them for some reason, why is suddenly the Duke? Blue Devils, the one that he wants to dance with. So uh, that's just more a curiosity, but uh, I like this hire a lot. Yeah, that is that is an interesting question. Like, what's what's happening? What you know? If, how how serious of a candidate is he actually? And, and that's probably more. That's probably where the answer lies. I mean, you could be a candidate, but not really a candidate. Like, uh, I've been a candidate for four head coaching jobs here in Tennessee at the high school level. I mean, I. You know, I, I wasn't really a, a viable candidate, so that could be something where his name was brought up and, and not really thought of much past that. But like this guy, I, you know, he, he's got a lot of notoriety. He's been to Notre Dame most recently at Texas A&M, done really well at every stop, as you as you uh, mentioned. I'm not going to go back over that. I, I I just don't know that how this guy hasn't been able to build his brand more. And maybe that's just part of his personality. I don't really know. Um, but this guy's impressive. And I really I really think Duke did a good job here. It's going to be interesting to see who he hires as his offensive coordinator. 
to kind of help him run run the offensive side of the ball. But you know, I think Duke's getting a good one. They'll be patient with him. They have no choice to. Uh, Josh, I, I'm I'm more along the lines of your thinking. I'm thinking this is an A minus because this is about as good as Duke could have done uh, with this hire. Thank God they didn't hire Jason Garrett. <laughs> that would have been uh, that would have been pretty rough. Next, Nevada has hired Ken Wilson. Guys, we are, we, we are in the upper echelon of college football fans and in the know when it comes to coaches, coordinators, things like that. We're big in Reno now. I got I super had no <laughs> freaking idea who Ken Wilson was. I got super excited when I saw Wilson. I was like, oh, my, my, my man Kevin Wilson get a second bite at the apple after his uh, very up-and-down Indiana run. And then yeah, I was well, like, oh, well, it's, it's Ken Wilson. I, I, I thought... I thought the same thing. And then I saw a picture of him and I was like, is this guy is this guy coach or is he like a Ken Wilson attorney at law? <laughs> I thought like I thought he looked like <laughs> like like and like uh, assistant SID. Like Yeah. He's I mean, he's the defensive coordinator at Oregon. At Oregon. Mm-hmm. He spent 23 years at Nevada. Previously. Let's take gamble. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, I, mean, yeah. I think the people gambling here is the brass for the Wolfpack because while he clearly loves the school, the only thing that I see for this hire is that he stood next to Chris Alt, the the legendary coach at Nevada. I mean, he clearly knows the school and loves the school, but he ain't bringing much juice, man. He and he's gonna need to find an OC. They're losing a lot of talent. They're losing Carson Strong. And I do not see this ending super well. Well, I guess I'm going. To, I guess I'm going to Reno. <laughs> C plus. Maybe so it's guys, it, going to Reno. So, so it's interesting. Matt gave it a C plus, but went very glass half empty there. And I gave it a C, but I, I actually maybe a little bit more glass half full. Um, so I'm with you, Matt. They they clearly hired him because of his ties to Chris Alt. Um, Obviously, he knows this program. He loves this program, and I think he'll bring a lot of work ethic. So he'll he'll work. It ain't because his defensive acumen against uh, Utah, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, but what's kind of crazy, you know, he's fifty-seven. Yeah, he's coming in as a defensive coordinator, but if you look at his resume, most of it is position coaching work. Does that mean he's a head coach material? So. Where am I going for being glass half full? Well, while being a position coach uh, for eight years under Chris Alt, he was the associate head coach. So uh, he learned from Nevada's best coach in program history as his associate head coach. So maybe something rubbed off on him. Um, It's just strange, you know, when we found out what, uh, what Nevada was paying their previous coach and why he left, um, and Ken Wilson having ties to the program, I, I have a sneaking suspicion that this is a bargain basement hire, and maybe that'll. Well, maybe I mean, we us. recently learned that they don't yeah. pay their coaches. Yeah. yeah, so maybe maybe this will surprise us, but uh, uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Or Nevada might be getting what they're paid for. Well, that's the interesting thing. They tried to beat the house, and the house won. So now they got to hire Ken Wilson. As their uh, as their head coach, I th- this one to me, 
I mean, I'm sure Ken, I'm sure Ken Wilson, I don't know much about him. So I apologize. Uh, if you, if you're friends with Ken Wilson or if you're Ken Wilson yourself, uh, I don't know. I don't know much about him. I feel like, I feel like they just saw that, that, Oh, this guy's been in Nevada. Let's hire him. I, I just feel like it was pretty lazy. Yeah. Um, pretty lazy, pretty like, Hey, we can get this guy. He's 57 years old. He's barely been a coordinator. Um, he's been here with Chris Alt. Yeah, let's go get him. Uh, this 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 will be a good replacement for Jay Norville. I, I just, I, it's very underwhelming. They'll get very underwhelming results, and in four years, they'll whoever the OC is will probably end up getting elevated to the head coaching job. So, I guess I'm going to be the new uh, Nevada head coach, guys. I hope just for how much we're ragging on him. I I hope Nevada goes undefeated next year. <laughs> well. A team that I can almost guarantee will not be going undefeated next year. The worst hire of the offseason for me. Matt, you had this as a C as of like five minutes No, I had it as a C minus, and I changed my (laughs) mind to a D because I thought about it even more. Um, Lots there. Fresno State's bringing back Jeff Tedford. I don't like it. I really don't like this. he, He was burned out two years ago. Josh, I know you're probably going to say that, but his um, team completely fell off in his third season back. I don't know why he'd be any better now, two years later, than he was. It's completely unimaginative from the administration. It's not going to help recruiting. This is a stopgap measure at best, and they're going to be back on the cycle within two years. It's a D for me. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to pop my knuckles. I'm going to relax my jaw a little bit because I've got a paragraph rant coming. Josh, uh, why did you give it an A+. Plus? <laughs> I, I didn't. I'm counting how many minuses. I think that's about eight minuses. Yeah, I gave this an F minus times eight. Um, I'm just going to read what I put verbatim because I'm so baffled by it. I can't <laughs> think off the top of my head. I have to do my prepared notes. Uh, dude was done two years ago. What is his interest level at recruiting what's his interest level at doing the daily stuff that's always the first to go when coaches check out recruiting and game preparation aka sloppy play what did they do in 2019 when they went four and eight 18 turnovers in 12 games over six penalties per game over 52 penalty yards per game that is sloppy stuff Oh, and he initially resigned in 2019 because of health concerns. Is he magically healthy? Honestly, hiring Brian Ferentz would have been better than this. You could argue that Brian is young and hungry and will want to prove himself without his dad's help. Tedford brings literally nothing to this job now. Well, Josh, um, you said that very eloquently, and I'll, I'll be honest with you in my in my tired hazy state of uh, of my lack of huck sleep i thought you were talking about jeff tedford trying to prove his dad wrong and i was like wait a second i was trying (laughs) like it took me so long to connect the dots and i was like oh he's talking about brian ferentz never mind um well jeff tedford's dad's also very demanding (laughs) that's true um but you can't tell me that your fresno state and you have to resort to hiring Jeff Tedford because you don't have any other options? I think that's the only person that the AD has in his Rolodex. Like, ha- like come on. Like, you could 
have gone to Eastern Washington and hire that guy would have been a better hire. You could have went to any analyst in the SEC and hired that guy and been in better shape. Like, like this is like this is lazy to me. I, I also give it an F, by the way. This is lazy because, <laughs> I mean, you got a guy that has health concerns. You think he's going to recruit nowadays with NIL? the daily grind because of the early signing day that you have to recruit. Like, like, like these guys don't get days off at all. Like they never, they didn't, they didn't before. They really don't now. Like it's, it's even since he left, it's even you gotta worse. Recruit, you got to recruit the portal now too. You got to recruit the portal. You got to recruit the, the recruits like two or three classes ahead. You got to re-recruit the guys who are on your own team. So they don't go in the portal. Yes, you got to recruit the fans. Apparently now, you, you got to recruit um, everybody. You have yeah, everybody. You're everybody. everybody. Every person. You have every to person. Recruit. And are you and you're going to put that much effort in? No. Where else is going to lack? Well, um, you better be you better be spotless and clean in your in your in your game prep and your game execution. Last 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 time he was I don't out think there. he's spending twenty hour days at the office these days now. Like, no, he's just like, this not. is this is just bad all around. Like this is not going to work. And and Jeff Tedford had a really good career, just great career, just just done. Yeah, <laughs> it's just done. He should not be at an FBS program. Like as a head coach, he shouldn't be leading the way. It just maybe in the interim, you know, do like Bob Stoops, just coach the ball game, and that's what he should be doing. Way. That's what he should be doing. Well, let's go from one former Pac-12 coach to another. <laughs> Mike McIntyre is the new head coach down at Florida International University. He's replacing replacing Butch Davis. Um, we're kind of split here. I, I don't care for this hire. I, I, he's old. Memphis's defense was not great under him, quite frankly. When he had some success at Colorado, but went downhill pretty darn fast. This doesn't move the needle for me a whole lot, and I'm giving it a C minus. I really don't. I'm not very high on this hire. It's meh. Well, Gosh. I've been pretty. I've been pretty consistent. If you go back and listen to our shows, I've appreciated the work that uh, Mike McIntyre's done. Uh, he turned San Jose State around. He took Colorado to the Pac-12 title game. I think he's an obvious floor raiser. And that is what FIU needs right now. Um, and Matt, you know, you mentioned his his time at Colorado and how they got worse after that title game. Um, if you look at his career numbers at Colorado, he went 30 and 44, 14 and 39 in conference play. That's a 405 winning percentage and a 264 in league. Uh, the other coaches since 2005, Dan Hawkins went 328 and 207. John Embry went 160 and 166. Mel Tucker's lone season was 417, 333 in conference. And current coach Carl Durrell's 444 and 462. Um, and this is with Mac um, absorbing the empty cupboard that Hawkins left. Um, Mac started in Boulder, six and 18, one and 17 in conference. So he elevated things quite a bit. Um, I think he'll make FIU a lot better 
Um, he's not going to make them a contender. I don't know if anyone can. That's how bad FIU is right now. But um, I think he will get every bit of juice out of this festering turd that is the FIU football program. And that's what they need right now. <laughs> festering turd. I love that. Um, <laughs> could they have done better? Yeah, probably. I, you know, looking at Kerwin Bell and kind of, you know, like awareness theory uh, really reared its, uh, reared its head here. Uh, well, the first time we brought up Kerwin Bell, that's the, like the only name I saw on Twitter after that. Uh, it was like every other tweet was Kerwin Bell, like recruiting somewhere. Um, I, I think that would have been a really good hire. Uh, for for FIU because again he's a grinder and as far as that goes I, I think he I think he would have done a good job. Um, Mike McIntyre doesn't move the needle, no. But is any hire that FIU would have made move the needle? Probably not. So you know I think Matt's being a little too harsh. Josh, maybe you're being a bit kind, um, but I do I, I do like McIntyre because I think he'll bring a certain toughness to this program, a certain mental toughness that they need. Uh, I think they're in a really good state for recruiting. Um, even if they're last at the the food bowl uh, in the state of Florida, that's still some pretty good talent there, um, especially especially in uh, South Florida. So uh, they're they're not going to be lacking for for players, but. Uh, I, I just think it's it's it is what it is. I mean, if he can raise the floor, great. If he can't, they'll move on. They're FIU. They're 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 gonna suck. They're they're used to <laughs> sucking. So, um, you know, maybe next time they'll go for 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 an up and comer. You know, may, maybe maybe a coordinator that's barely been a coordinator. Maybe somebody like what Troy would have hired. Uh, I don't know. Like maybe I don't know. I just ha- I have a hypothetical question before we move on to FCS games because Temple Ooh, I, still ha- good I, I because Temple still hasn't officially hired a coach yet. Yeah, if you're FIU, mm-hmm. is this name too hot? Kendall Bryles, not Art Bryles, Kendall Bryles. Did do, do, do uh, the sins of the father rub off on him enough? No, no. And so he, he's kind of he's kind of he's kind of distanced himself with that at Arkansas and mm-hmm. he has, and that's what I'm saying. And I, so I if you're FIU, I, that's the kind of guy I would rather go for. Take a big swing like that. How do we but, know they didn't? I mean, we don't, we don't, but I'm just saying that, you know, I mean, just look, look up to FAU, what they did with Lane Kiffin. Mm-hmm. Like that was successful for them. They did well under Kiff. They did. Um, they have a lot better administration, I think, than uh, than FIU. I mean, obviously, FIU is sabotaging people. Like they're, they're according like, to according to Butch Davis. Yeah, you're you're FIU. Come on. <laughs> um, yeah, it, I, I would have gone after him. I, I don't know that I would have. Pu- I don't know that I would publicly go after anybody because, you know, you're FIU. But. Um, yeah, I, mean, I just want to know if if if, if the Bryles name is, is is still too hot to touch, or if not that Kendall. Is, I, I think don't Kendall. Think so? I think Kendall is, is okay now uh, because he's Art, he's a, he's an offensive mind man. Kendall Bryles has got an offensive yeah. mind. Like all, all all things aside, man, he is the type of mind. Like I wish Wisconsin had an offensive coordinator like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm with you guys. I think that um, you know Kendall Bryles was. I don't. I don't think he was don't think pretty much our age. He was pretty much our age with his first major job for his dad. I think that's, you know, we would like to say, yeah, of course I'd do the right thing and turn my dad in. 
I don't know. I don't know if I would. I don't know if I would either. Um, so no, you probably wouldn't. I mean, it's your dad. It's yeah. your dad. Yeah. And and so you know that it's tough to uh, you know tough to to like hold him accountable just, for that. You're just an assistant, and you're yeah. like. I'd, like it, it's a, it's a weird situation, and especially but, like, especially yeah. if you think about power dynamics and the power structure there. Like, not only is yeah. he your boss, he's also your father. Listen, so, I'll, yeah. I'll I'll say this: San Pittman has no reason to take any chances on anybody. Like, he is. I don't think he would hire somebody like that. I don't think you know it, if it was too hot. Like Pittman, Pittman's somebody who really doesn't care who you are. If you're not a fit, you're not a fit. If you're not a board, you're not a board. And um, we should we should point out too. I mean, it's not like Pittman randomly took a chance on him and he's been out of out of coaching. I mean, Lane Kiffin hired him back in 2017. Mm-hmm. Then he was at Houston. Then he was at Florida State. So I mean, mm-hmm. um, he he's had other jobs in the meantime. Yeah, he definitely has. As as for his dad, I mean, oh, his dad's never he, coming back. His dad is completely toxic, never coming back. But I I just looked. He's older than I thought. Art Bryles is 66. That's sense. a little old. That's a little old to be suddenly sense. hired. He'll be a good fit for Allen High School, who has no soul. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's move on to the FCS bracket. Well, I, I was just going to say real, real quick. Um, it hasn't been official. I don't know what the holdup is. Everything I see reading about Temple football, and yes, the, I'm digging around Temple blogs and, and Philadelphia news websites. Uh, I'm sorry, it sounds. Josh. It sounds like Fran Brown is. Oh my gosh! Hold on, is, my my dude Phil Kleckler. This is means absolutely nothing to anybody listening to this, but he recruits our school. He was just named head coach of uh, Lindsey Wilson, which is an AI school. That's awesome. There we go. Um, I'm excited about that. Yeah, sorry about that. No problem. Yeah, uh, Fran Brown has been the the name that has been garnering the most attention. Which um, surprising, surprising, because Temple recently hired Manny Diaz for a day, and then they hired Rod Carey, who was a pretty big name at Northern Illinois, and so Fran Brown's kind of a big step down from that. But I was reading a little bit more about him. He coached at Temple in a whole bunch of different positions. Uh, seems like he might be uh, bleeding this temple maroon color. Um, he's just 38. So maybe he'll lay a good foundation if it works out. Um, but kind of an interesting thing that our last job to be filled, unless something crazy happens in the next few days is temple and, uh, getting someone with zero experience. Um, I don't know. Kind yeah, of an interesting it's, thing. It's, it's interesting, especially with, National Signing Day, you know, tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, they need this, so. yeah, I, Temple I, has slipped back to like the late 90s version of Temple where... I know. I gave know, it a B. Yikes. If they do hire Fred I'll grade it when it becomes official. So. <laughs> Jesus. Um, so Dan, okay. Dan Lanning's contract, by the way, he's 35 years old as we speak. Uh, $4.6 million this year, raising 100000 per year thereafter, taking him to a peak of five point. One million, um, yeah. His buyout begins at fourteen million. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Yeah, they got his they got his whole contract broken out on football scoop. It's pretty, pretty interesting stuff to to circle back to a, a topic that we 
had discussed previously. All right, uh, FCS playoffs. Uh, we had the uh, we had the Elite Eight this past weekend, and got one huge upset. And let's talk about that first. Number eight, Montana State, not only beat but beat down Sam Houston, the number one seed in the country. Josh obliterated them. But if you look at the, like the box score, Sam Houston outgained Montana State. What happened was turnovers. Three very costly interceptions, two of which uh, immediately turned to points, uh, touchdowns on the ensuing drives for Montana State, the Bobcats. And, I mean, it was it, it was over in the blink of an eye. It was 28 nothing midway through the second quarter there for yeah. Montana State, and they were able to cruise from there. And this is pretty shocking. Well, I mean, the the other thing too. Let's give uh, was turnovers played a huge part, but I think Montana State. You look at some of their uh, offensive numbers. Uh, very, very, very efficient. Uh, they ran the ball forty three times for one hundred ninety yards, three touchdowns. Their dual threat quarterback Tommy Mellett uh, had one hundred and sixty five passing yards, two touchdowns, as well as seventy six rushing yards and two touchdowns. So uh, That's turnovers a played. A, day. Yeah, turnovers played a huge part, but um, I think without those turnovers, Montana State is still probably winning this game. I mean, they they were incredible. Hats off to the Bobcats. Yeah, really nice performance there. And coach, you know, oftentimes it's just going to come down to those turnovers, though. Yeah, you got to take care of the football. I mean, that that that's that goes, and, and especially in, in tight playoff games like this. Um. You know, games that could get tight can get away from it. Like this one, I mean, my God, like you, you, you look at this total and it's like, Jesus, like <laughs> talk about momentum. Good Lord. Um, they are going to face in the semifinal South Dakota State team. I think did we I think we all picked them for the upset. I think you guys jumped on the bandwagon with on the on the jack bag on the jack wagon. That uh, one was kind of easy. I mean, Villanova looked awful against Holy Cross. Yeah, and South Jacks Dakota State. They've been good, man. I, I've I mean, been impressed. Yeah, South. I mean, South Dakota State is even though they're unranked. I mean, I think you can make an argument they have as much talent as anyone in the tournament this year. Uh, another just huge huge game from uh from their rushing attack 266 yards on 45 carries and three scores jackson yankee had another 100 plus yard game with two touchdowns and it was just it was too easy it was too easy for them they completely out physicaled villanova they you just were they, they were better in every facet of the game and it was it, it was pretty impressive Quite frankly, uh, for, for in, in this place, and they're they're gonna they're gonna take on Montana State, and you know, I mean, at the end of the segment, I'll tell you who I'm picking, but uh, you guys can probably imagine where I'm going. Mm-hmm. You're going Villanova, right? Ha, Josh, anything, <laughs> anything to add? No, I mean, it was just uh, you mentioned it was a total uh, dominant performance by the Jackrabbits. Um, hats off to Villanova, another fine season, but uh, now it's time to focus on. Jay Wright and uh, and the I mean, basketball team. They're they're real. They're real sport. <laughs> the one they have multiple national titles in. Yeah. So um, let's on the other side of the bracket. Uh, the Whoa. three. Se- oh. 
yeah, I like the, the, the Jacks are just dominant, man. They like the, the way so they run the ball. The way, the way, yeah. Let's get ready for Jay so Wright and, and all the bat. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, the hats off to the Jacks. I, I really, you know, just watching them play. They, they, you know, they just, they just wear on you, and they just mm-hmm. pound and pound and pound. They're physical. That's what I really like about them. They're physical. So we had on the other side of the bracket, number three, James Madison uh, took down Montana with ease behind their passing attack. I sense a theme here. I sense a pattern here. Well, James Madison averaged 17 and a half yards per completion. It's not bad. Yeah, that's really not bad at all. 17 for 24 for the, through the air, 295 yards for uh, for their quarterback. And, you know, in a solid showing on the ground. And even though they lost two fumbles, it didn't really matter. I mean, they won this one 28-6, and it was never really a game. No, no it, it, it really wasn't. I mean, this just, um, you know, gets into the the big question, and, and we'll have to address it even more when we talk about Montana State, South Dakota State, but uh, just the Big West. You know, it's we we love some of those teams, but they just don't stack up to the colonial or the Missouri Valley and head to head matchups very often. And Montana had to travel cross country. So maybe that played a part. Maybe if that game's in Missoula, it goes a little bit differently, but until the big West wins one of these titles and has that breakthrough victory, I think most people that follow FCS football are going to have their doubts about their teams. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, we, we, we like all these Big West teams. Um, people are going to have their doubts. I'm just, yeah. no, I'm just kidding. I, I was trying yeah. to pre- repeat exactly what Josh said. Uh, no, I, I think uh, I think traveling across the country is, yeah. is, is kind of what did it for Montana. Yeah. I, you know, and, and so what surprised me... Also, we, we kid the big sky. I know it's the big sky. I'm yeah. being, a, being a jerk. The Big West is an old <laughs> conference that... Big West was an old conference that sucked. Yeah, well, they're playing like the Big West, but um, <laughs> what's su- what surprises me also doesn't surprise me about uh, Montana. Surprises me about Montana State, as in like they didn't play in the COVID year. So one team, it seemed like has taken that and and they've taken the hey we're fresh approach and you know we're going to do things right. We're going to force turnovers. We're going to be physical. We're we're just going to overwhelm you. That's Montana State. Then the other team is like, oh, we haven't played in a while. What is this game of football? Hmm. Um, we we get to the playoffs and we, we dominate, we dominate, we dominate. Then all of a sudden we get to the quarterfinals and we forget how to play football. That's the Grizz. Uh, and, oh, we have to travel cross country. Oh, yeah, we can't do that. Oh, we're just not as good at it. But they also ran into a buzzsaw, honestly, with James Madison. They're, James Madison is unreal. Well, speaking of buzzsaws, ETSU got to play North Dakota State, and that yeah. is never a good recipe because like that was that was oh this, my god that was actually the game I, I watched the most of because it, it happened to be happened to be on power football and North Dakota State just like they tossed them around like rag dolls. They yeah, tossed I them mean, around. North Dakota State beat them twenty-seven to three. ETSU beat Vanderbilt twenty to three. Earlier this season, 
So by by my transitive property, that means that North, North Dakota State, State is better than Alabama. North Dakota State would have beat Vanderbilt by about forty. You're probably right, and that's probably right because I don't think that they would be able to stop that rushing attack. Like, like I said, they they run and Matt, you would. Like, I'm sure you know this, but they run the A gap power to perfection. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. And their defense held ETSU to 165 total yards. They averaged three yards per attempt passing the ball. Not running the ball, three yards per pass. 33 attempts, 99 yards. That's not going to do it. One interception, no touchdowns. It's just, it's clinical football. And I don't really know if there's really much else we can say there. I can say this. They have a head coaching opening. They sent Randy Sanders into into retirement. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, I mean, uh, hats off to the box. A nice season making the semifinals. No uh, no slouch in there. Maybe Brian Ferentz will go to the Bucks. <laughs> top top 10 seed. You know, a very, very, very nice season. Very, very nice season. Yeah. yeah. Just, um, you know, I said it a week ago. There are certain teams in this tournament. You can look at their ceiling, and it felt like the the regional finals were their ceiling. Villanova's ceiling was their basketball arena. <laughs> All right. Uh, in the semis, Montana State and South Dakota State on one side, North Dakota State versus James Madison on the other side. Uh, we'll start with the, the first side, the the underdog side, if you will. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm running I'm running South Dakota State all the way here. I, I I love I love the talent. They've got it together. They're clicking. They are. You know, it's going to be a physical game, but I think that they. You know, again, being from the SEC of the FCS, you know, the Missouri Valley Conference, they're going to be ready. Like they are going to be ready, and I think they're going to kick some butt. I think they're going to beat Montana State by ten points. Yeah, I am. Uh... I should take South Dakota State. I should do the logical thing. They're from the better conference. They're the probably the better team. Uh, but I'm picking Montana State Ooh. because because it's a purely emotional. It's not a logical explanation. Lee Corso says sometimes you need to make the emotional pick. I'm picking Montana State out of emotion. Why? What's got me all fired up? Well, I didn't really notice this at the time because Montana state looked awesome against, uh, against uh, UT Martin. They had no problem with UT Martin and then they obliterate Sam Houston. So I didn't really think too much of it. And then as we were preparing for the show, I was like, huh, why is, why is Montana state playing their backup quarterback? And, and I was like, Oh, is their starter hurt? No, no. He entered the transfer portal 48 hours before the playoff started. He's about to go to his third school. He left NC State. Tate Martell? (laughs) No. Uh, Matt McKay started at NC State. Drops a bombshell on Twitter Thursday morning. Just (laughs) less than two days before they played UT Martin. He bails. Uh I'm just going to root for the Bobcats. I mean, what an awesome story if they win a national title just to say F you to this guy who, like, I I don't care what's going on. You bail on the team just before this? Uh, I've never heard of something. I, I, that, like that. That, that's pretty astounding, quite frankly. 
Yeah, so give I, me had, the I had not heard that story, Josh. So thank you for me, sharing. Yeah, give me the Bobcats. It's that's it's a nice story, but I'm still taking the Jackrabbits, Coach. <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna take Montana State in an emotional decision. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> in my quest to in my quest to echo Josh the entire show. No, I, I you know I think that the key to this game, Matt, you said it. It's going to be a physical game. I, I just think the Jackrabbits, uh, the Jack Wagon, they're a little bit more physical than Montana State. I think that's where the difference is going to lie. They've been battle tested. They're they're in a great conference. They've had plenty of reps at it, uh, not only uh, in the fall but in the spring as well. Montana State, great story, great run, but I think it ends in the semifinal. On the other side, North Dakota State, James Madison. We saw this in the title game a couple years back. They've I think they've battled in the title game a couple times actually, mm-hmm. and North Dakota State's come out on top, but. You know, James Madison has that wide open passing attack. And that's the difference. It's, I mean, North Dakota State, you know, as physical as they come, they are the Alabama of FCS football. James Madison, I think, is kind of like the Clemson uh, of FCS football. And I think this is going to be is another. Is that Trevor Lawrence Clemson or is yes, that DJ not, This is not DJ Uyungle Clemson. I think they are, they are Deshaun Watson Clemson. So what about I, I like Watson. I like James Madison a lot, but I, I mean it, it, you have to be a fool to pick against uh, against the Bison. So I'm not going to be a fool. I'm going to go for an All MVC final. Give me North Dakota State. Yeah, obviously I picked the upset at least on paper for most people. I, I know Montana State's the seeded team, but backup quarterback playing against a, a really talented Mount Missouri Valley team. Most people would. Pick South Dakota State. So I'm not going to have two upsets, but I will say why would James Madison potentially win? You mentioned their wide open pass attack. Cole Johnson, 3,500 passing yards, 39 touchdowns on the season. Uh, he spreads it out. He's got some really good wide receivers, but uh, his leading receiver, Antoine Wells, 78 receptions, 14 touchdowns, 1,197 yards. Can't ask for a whole lot more from a wide receiver for that. And James Madison, you talk about a battle tested team. Some of the games they've played this year uh, in the non-conference slate, they went cross country to take on Weber state. Always a tough team out there in Ogden, Utah. Uh, they took on Villanova who I know kind of disappointed in the playoffs, but Villanova, a tough, tough conference opponent. Um, Never easy. Uh, they had a few other road trips that uh, that can be tricky, including one that uh, I know they had a little bit of a down season this year, but uh, Joe Flacco's alma mater, Delaware. Never an easy trip down there to Delaware. James Madison. I think, I think Delaware was just exhausted from the spring. <laughs> probably. Uh, but uh, James Madison navigated it. Very well. They are, you know, you'd like to say that they're peaking at the right time. You look at some of their splits. I'm not going to do all their splits, but just their last three games, 56, 10, 59, 29, or 59, 20, 28 to six. I mean, they're, they're clicking on all cylinders and we know weather won't be a factor, which has to help their passing attack because it will be in the Fargo dome. So uh, there are reasons why Duke fans should be cautiously optimistic 
Uh, it's just, it's crunch time. It's playoff time. So we all pick the bison. <laughs> yeah. You guys say I'm going to zag here. Somebody's got to get it. Somebody's got to get on James Madison's bandwagon here. Ooh. I'm saying speed kills here. Love it. Love it. Absolutely love it. All right. That's the FCS playoff bracket. We're excited to announce a new sponsor, and that is Lightbox. Say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gifts of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find. And they're a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but are grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in blush pink and beautiful blue, as well as a classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off, priced so they won't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. So head on over to lightboxjewelry.com and add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Okay, we're jumping straight to my pick. All right, I'm taking him to <laughs> Hold on a second. Oh, hold on a second, Coach. Oh, we're, we're talking Bahamas Bowl here, and we're, t- we're talking the number one game I would want to go to if my team wasn't playing New Year's Six or in the playoff. That's right. I mean, where else would you rather be than Atlantis? I mean, you know, no better place than that. MTSU Toledo. MTSU is blah. Toledo... I mean, whoa, I mean, whoa, whoa. Shreveport. Come on. Um, uh, I, yeah. I, I, I guess, but uh, Daquan, <laughs> Daquan Finn, the quarterback for uh, the the true freshman quarterback, I should say, for Toledo, the real UT. He actually he he had himself a nice little season. You know, he, he sixteen touchdowns, only one interception. 8.8 yards per uh, per attempt. Sorry, he's a redshirt freshman. Redshirt freshman, and you know he's done he's done he's done some some really nice things for the, at the quarterback position for Toledo because of that. Give me, and because of their outstanding running back Bryant Kobach, give me the Rockets. So Middle Tennessee State started one and three, so making a bowl game kind of a mini miracle not the biggest miracle that that'll pop up much later when we talk about north texas in their bowl game but toledo's an interesting story every year you get teams that say oh man we were just a few plays away from like winning a conference title or winning 10 games well toledo is not fos when they say that this is their losses on the year at notre dame three-point loss, Northern Illinois, two-point loss, Central Michigan, three-point loss, Eastern Michigan, three-point loss. Only, weirdly, Colorado State uh, beat them by much more than uh, two or three points. So Toledo really is uh, a good team, I think, that just had some bad breaks. Uh, They finished the season four and one on a hot streak. I will take the Rockets. Right, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna do it again. Uh, well, I got a piece of paper saying I completed enough coursework to earn a master's degree from the Middle Tennessee State University. I'm I'm also a Blue Raider, so I got to uh, I got to stick with my Blue Raiders here. Um, but you know, some things about them offensively, they're you know they're they're starting to come on a little bit. I, I think um, you know some names to look out for. I think you know when you look at their quarterbacks, Mike Diello. Um, you might see more of Nick 
the Taito. I can't say these names. Good Lord. Come on. You got to recruit a, a Nick Smith or a, a Mike Jones or who? Mike Jones. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Um, nice job. Nice job on that. Uh, you know, a couple names that also come out uh, as far as weapons and playmakers, you know, you have a 6'5, 230 pound wide receiver turned tight end, Jimmy Marshall. Uh, freshman, uh, he was, uh, he, he, he was a Kusa freshman uh, led an all-purpose yards uh, with a thousand all-purpose yards. Jalen Lane, he is sixteen eight-point yards per punt return, so he's a weapon in special teams. Um, so you, you go against a, a a really solid Toledo defense. This is going to be kind of one of those games where if they can get those guys going, uh, they should be able to uh, to win this one. All right, uh, let's then head or at least next. cover to the tail greeter cure bowl, which pits Northern Illinois Mac champion, what? Northern Illinois versus coastal Carolina and Grayson McCall, who had himself a phenomenal statistical season. Uh, the, I think he believe, I believe he set the, the single season record for uh, quarterback passing efficiency uh, in a single season. He broke uh, Mac Jones's record from last year, actually. The, the record had been broke a crap ton of times. But uh, since Russell Wilson said it back in 2011, but uh, I think that Coastal is really going to do a number here on on Northern. I mean, I'm going to question any team that has Rocky Lombardi playing quarterback, let's face it. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, let's, let's give Northern Illinois some love. Uh, they went over a season ago, 0-6. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the proud NIU Huskies. I mean, this is a team that played like in an Orange Bowl. And uh, this was a, a pivotal, pivotal, I can't talk. Pivotable. Pivotal uh, season. Man, it's a pivotal thing. <laughs> for, for their head coach, Thomas Hammock. Uh, they, res- they responded extremely well, made the back title game, uh, scored a kind of a mini upset there against Kent State in it. Wonderful, wonderful job, but the level of play in the fun belt, I think, is far superior than the MAC this season. Uh, Coastal won 10 games. I know people will say, well, they didn't quite look as good since that App State loss. They still finished 4-1. and one. I know some people will say, well, they, they were taken to overtime by South Alabama. Coastal had nothing to play for in that game, and a win would have put South Alabama into a bowl. And Coastal still found a way to win. Uh, I think Coastal has stuff to play for. I mean, they win this game. They might get back in the national ranking. So I'm going to go with the better team. Hats off to NIU for the awesome season, but give me the shots. Um. I think the Sean, I, I'm taking the shots big. Uh, I, I'm not going to say as many words as you did. Hats off to Northern Illinois. Congratulations on winning the MAC. Your, your consolation prize, you get to play Coastal, one of the most explosive offenses in college football. So there yeah. you go. And, and I don't know how they're going to stop Isaiah Likely. They're the, not. Who, they're likely who, not. who might be the best tight end of the country playing for Coastal Carolina. Now, oh, Josh. My pun. They're likely not going to. Hey, yo. Hey, we're going to go to the roofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl, 
between Western Kentucky and Appalachian State. Guys, Appalachian State quarterback Chase Bryce transferred over from Duke. Had himself a really nice season. 3,000 yards, 23 touchdowns. I mean, those are some really nice statistics. Um, That's like three games worth for Bailey Zapp, the quarterback at Western Kentucky. He led the nation in passing by nearly 1,000 yards. 5,545 passing yards, 56 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Are you saying over here? And he came over from he came up from Houston Baptist. Um, he he was a transfer and just absolutely lit the world on fire. Uh, Jareth Stearns was the nation's leading receiver for them. Seventeen hundred and eighteen yards, fourteen touchdowns. I mean, Western Kentucky puts up points in bunches. I know everyone Appalachian State obviously has the name recognition. They're Appalachian State. But I mean, do they have chunk plays? Uh, they don't have chunk plays like Western Kentucky has chunk plays. I'll tell you that much. And the the fact that Bailey Zapp had, like, I think he had about 1,300 more yards than Will Rogers did in less attempts makes, you know, to tell, like, this is the air raid on steroids that we're getting from Western Kentucky. Uh, I, I think this game means more for Western Kentucky than it does for Appalachian State. So I'm going to take the underdog Hilltoppers. I really like the Hilltoppers in this spot too, which is is trouble. That is, that's that very is, troubling. We know that, that means classic. That means State. Appalachian State's going to kill them. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at you guys you are going to like my pick. You look at uh, you look at App State. I mean, they they beat Eastern Carolina from the the American. Uh, they eked past Marshall thirty one thirty, a Conference USA team, common opponent here. Played Miami, and then they had an FCS team. Um, I actually think Western Kentucky had a harder non-conference slate. I mean, they took on two Big Ten teams, one of them being Michigan State, uh, and they had Army. They played UTSA twice, once in the title game and once in the regular season. Um, So Western Kentucky, more battle-tested in my opinion, and that common opponent, Marshall, 31-30 for App State. Western Kentucky obliterated them, 53-21. I looked back on App State's two losses to the Ragin' Cajun, and both times uh, Levi Lewis had over 200 passing yards. So uh, I think uh, I think uh, Mr. Bailey Zapp is going to add to his 5,500 passing yards on this season. He's going to get up to 6,000 in this game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't I mean, think he only needs 455. He's had uh, like four games over 500 this year. That's like, true. That's true. Get to 10,000. 455. <laughs> I mean, 455 is not out of the question, man. That's true. Uh, the other thing I was going to say about the Hilltoppers is sometimes with these pass heavy air raid teams, uh, you worry about their defense, but defensive numbers are really good. I mean, they're, they're holding opponents to uh, a pretty respectable mark. I know it's 28 points per game, but it's a, pinch misleading because they had early in the season a bunch of opponents uh put up some numbers but then in conference yeah, they've gotten play, so much better during the year like yeah it, it, in conference play they're averaging much closer to about uh 18 points per year uh-oh coach are you, are you picking them too are you going with the toppers are you going with topper pride topper nation yeah they're screwed yeah, yeah they're, they're, <laughs> they're so screwed oh god they they're have screwed. the stink on them <laughs> Yeah. Oh, folks out there we're, we're we are sure. all picking western kentucky you know that you know what that means run don't walk to the casino actually run don't walk 
to your computer to go to betonline.ag there you go. and put all the money you have the on Appalachian State. Put, bet the house, guys. Um, but what I really love about Western Kentucky is they spread everyone out. They go 100 miles an hour. They just, you know, those type of offenses really, really, if you get it rolling, because sometimes if you get bogged down, then your defense is screwed. And then you just end up gassing your defense because they're out there on the field for 93 plays or so. Um, but if you can get this offense rolling, like the opposing team just can't keep up no matter how good they are. They just, they just have a hard time keeping up. And that's, it's like Tennessee won seven games based on that with, uh, with nobody. So that's, you know, it made me a believer in this tempo, 100 miles an hour type offense. So, Billy's Bailey Zap, not Billy Zapka. Uh, Bailey Zap <laughs> is going to feast, which means he's, I guess, probably going to get sacked 18 times, right? All right. The Cricket Celebration Bowl. This is not a celebration of uh, our insect friends. It is actually the Celebration Bowl uh, presented by, I believe, Cricket Mobile, the HBCU title game, South Carolina State and Jackson uh, State. And... Frankly, like, I mean, Jackson State should absolutely just wipe the field with these guys. They have the fourth best defense in FCS. Yeah, Coach Prime, and, Coach and they have and they have Shador Sanders, who's one of the oh, best yeah, quarterbacks in FCS. Yeah, and, he's, he's not an FCS quarterback. <laughs> no, he he was a he was a, a high four star on Rivals. He was like a five point nine. He was a he was a top two fifty player in the country. I know, and, 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 he's, he, and he's at Jackson State because. But you know what? Like, good bad. for him. And they're they're Jackson State is like really recruiting, like really like Jackson State has a better class than more than half of the FBS programs. I I know, I know you guys are doubting Coach Prime. Oh no, I I am no longer down in Coach Prime. But the, but the dude is for real. Like he's he's been, very real. And the, I'll say this: I thought it was a bit of a publicity stunt, right? I thought it was okay. They're hiring Coach Prime. Okay, here we go. Yeah. What we'll I am what what I'm happy to see uh, is that he hasn't good. jumped to a bigger job after like two seasons, right? I yeah. I want him to stay there for a while and to build a culture, and he's doing that. I mean, ja- like in this game though, Jackson State by a million. Yeah, I mean, uh, millions and millions. Let's be honest. the The Miak this year was atrocious. Um, just a common opponent to give you an idea. South Carolina State loses to Alabama A and M, forty two forty one. Jackson State tuned them up sixty one fifteen. So uh, this one, watch for the halftime show. But I think the football is going to get ugly. Jackson State big. Come for the halftime show, stay for the football. Yeah. So, all right. And the concessions. Oh, the concessions will be pretty dope. Next. PUBG. We have the PUBG Mobile New Mexico Bowl. Yeah. Whatever that is. And PUBG, is that a video game? Yeah, it's a player unknown PUBG Battleground. PUBG is a rapper. No, PUBG <laughs> is... <laughs> PUBG is an English rapper who uh, only, only comes after you after a few pints. Um... And uh, <laughs> UTEP versus Fresno State. Uh, and I don't know what to think here, man. I mean, Jake Hayner is not going to be playing for Fresno State. He's in the portal. Uh, they don't have a coach. I mean, I, I guess is Tedford coaching the game? I mean, Probably. I don't know. Kalen, De- Kalen DeBoer is not coaching the game. 
this is going to be a mess. I don't even know what no. to think. I, in my confidence, I don't pick UTEP. Just yeah, I picked UTEP because... in my confidence pool and put like two and put like two points on it. Like I hate, I hate I, those I, confidence pools. Uh, by the way, those are so oh, I lame. love them, but just because they drive <laughs> me insane. So lame. They're so lame. Yeah, this game I... is lame. <laughs> the sponsor is lame. New Mexico is lame. It's the land well, of enchantment, Coach. Come on now. Well, is there anything I, enchanting about this bowl, Josh? Well, yeah, I'm gonna. Of, I'll, uh, I'll do a little bit of analysis on it. So, obviously, Fresno, better conference, better record, better finish. They went five and one to end the year, nine and three overall. UTEP limped to the finish, going one and four, seven and five. Conference USA can't hold a candle to the Mountain West. So, obviously, Fresno would win a normal game. But this is not a normal game. This is a bowl game played weeks after these two teams wrapped. Coach, or uh, Corey, uh, Matt, if I can't talk right now. Matt uh, already said it. No Hainer, no coach um, for Fresno. The game is right in UTEP's backyard. Literally. Easier trip. It's like across the. It's like right across like a bridge. I don't even know if there is a bridge between Texas <laughs> and New Mexico. I mean, it's right there. Um, like they can probably sleep at their dorms and drive over in the morning. Like yeah, um, UTEP history for bowl games really poor. Um, this is their first bowl game in uh, well in a minute, <laughs> seven years since the last time they've been in a bowl game. So I, I think UTEP just has more to play for, easier trip for them. Uh, I think the Miners regroup and win a pretty ugly game. Wow. Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. Yeah. Let's uh, let, let, let's Punch move you. on from there because there Punch is not out. a lot to say. Uh, and not a lot to say there. Check Next, it. the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl. The University of Alabama at Birmingham versus Brigham Young University, aka UAB versus BYU. Um, the Alphabet Bowl. The Alphabet Bowl, and I mean the, the I mean, is UAB going to be able to stop BYU? I I don't really think so. Um, no, I I to be honest with you, Matt, I I I think I don't kind of jump in the gun here, but um, I think this is going to get ugly. Kalani Sataki has got those guys rolling. Uh, and we'll have them rolling for quite some time. I mean, UAB is a good ball club. They they do a lot of good things, but I just don't think they're going to be a hold up to BYU. BYU's playing on a whole other level. They're playing BYU's playing on a Power Five level because they're soon to be Power Five. So. They're about to be a Power Five team. I mean, they effectively are. You know, everyone yeah. considers Notre Dame a Power Five team. We should have been considering BYU a Power Five team this whole time too. Yeah, I mean, just uh, they they basically won the Pac-12 South this year. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Horrible, horrible matchup for um, for UAB. I mean, they uh, they're just getting a they're punching way up their weight class. Um, BYU dominant team this year. I mean, they they obliterated some 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 people and uh, BYU was five and zero in Pac twelve play. Yeah, they beat Pac twelve champion Utah. I mean. This is a really good team. Uh, their quarterback is a sophomore, so he doesn't have to worry about the NFL, Jaron Hall, so he'll be playing. Their running back, as far as I know, also a sophomore, Tyler 
Algier, who had 1,400 yards playing. Um, really, your only hope for the Blazers is, and I'm, I'm sorry to say it to, to the good people of Shreveport, uh, BYU shows zero interest because they're in Shreveport, and BYU's like, we've already had our bowl game. We, we beat Utah. We beat USC. Like, we don't care about this game. Yeah, but, but I don't I, think Shiitake will do but, that. Yeah, I, I, I don't think the Mushroom Man himself is going to let that happen. Talkie. No, B- <laughs> BYU big. Yeah, yeah. In my confidence pool, I think I had this because there's 34 games. I think I had this at like 34 points. I think I might have had this as my number one, like lock. So, all right, um, Coach. If you don't have anything to add, we're going to move on to. Yeah, I, I, I gave my two cents on that. The so, yeah, lending tree bowl. Uh, Eastern Michigan versus Liberty. Uh, I'm guess what? I'm not watching this game. That, I mean, you couldn't pay me to watch this game. That I have. I'm sure wh- they could pay you to watch it. It it, it would be a significant amount of money. Hey, Lending be, Tree, if you're listening, if you pay hey, me, Lend- I will watch this game. I mean, it's basically go. five o'clock central on Saturday. Like I have it's many other things that I could be doing. Guess which, what? It's five o'clock somewhere. It is five o'clock somewhere. And I would need a lot of that. What I get at, at five o'clock somewhere in order to get through this game, because hopefully I will be exchanging gifts coach with you and your lovely bride uh, around this time on Saturday, because uh, the, the gift, better. the gift you're getting, by the way, coach already told me he, he got you. <laughs> front row seats in his living room to the lending, to lending tree bowl, tree bowl. <laughs> listen I man you, listen, yeah, you, you know, so what, you we're, know actually, what? we're actually going to mobile <laughs> <laughs> you're picking me up in the morning we're driving I down got to mobile sideline passes from hugh freeze oh freezes i i, and, I would and no and no, a, no i would uh, i, I would a cricket university phone so i good i would i would wear all green and just wander over to the eastern michigan sideline like <laughs> I mean, I, you know what? I'm not even going to make a pick on this game because I don't care. I don't care. I, I do not care. <laughs> Ooh, I'm picking Eastern Michigan because cool. That, that would why not? be fun. Right. Next. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The next well, uh, I mean, here's, here's, the, here's the thing about this game. Liberty, uh, some warning signs limping to the finish. Uh, lost out 0-3 in their last three games. Um, it's been a while since they've looked good. It's been a while. Um, they lost. They lost to UL Monroe. Is Malik Willis even going to play? Like, uh, probably, um, not. probably not with his like trying out. to get ready for the draft. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you kind of run through their schedule. Uh, Campbell, a pedestrian FCS team. Troy fired their coach. Old Dominion, awful. Syracuse should have fired their coach. Hey, UAB, there's a decent team. Middle Tennessee. Decent team, UL Monroe, North Texas, UMass. There we go. I mean, Liberty is just with these independent schedules. It's, it's like, a joke. It's like all over the map. And Malik Willis, he's awesome, but we don't know if he's playing. And they're a total one man band with him. They haven't looked good for a while. And he's been nicked up. Yeah. I always root for Eastern Michigan. They sure. are historically one of the worst programs of all time. So give me the Eagles as a sentimental pick. Kakaw. Yeah, this next one's interesting, though. The Jimmy Kimmy LA LA Bowl presented by Stifle. (laughs) At first, I I read it presented by Stifler. 
And I was like, oh, I didn't know that a Jimmy Kimmel and American Pie had a tie-in together. But uh, it's the inaugural L.A. Bowl uh, at, I believe, SoFi Stadium. And mm-hmm. we've, we've got Utah State and Oregon State. This is an interesting matchup. Blake Anderson might have been the single best hire of last season. Mm-hmm. Dude, I mean, that performance against... San Diego State in the championship game was unreal, ridiculous. Just, I mean, ridiculous. And that's not to say that you know this is going to be an easy matchup because Oregon State has some talent. Not, I think Jonathan not. Smith's a good coach, but you have you have Pac-12 talent with a Pac-12 roster and a good coach. Pac-12 talent will always supersede. Um, Mountain West, Mountain West talent, just by the sheer numbers. Now, what you do with that talent is where the difference lies. And I think Jonathan Smith is a really good coach, so I think he'll do some good things. But Blake Anderson is really good, and he'll get those guys playing above their head. This is an interesting matchup to me. They will be, they will hit you. They might be a more physical team than Oregon State too. Uh, which I think is going to be the difference in this in this contest, and, and and I think Utah State has just as good of a chance of, of of upsetting Oregon State as possible. So stay tuned for my official pick. I'm gonna think this one through. I'm gonna let you guys convince me here. Josh, yeah, I mean, very different philosophies. Utah State uh, zipping things through the air. Uh, Logan Bonner, 3,500 yards, 36 touchdowns. Uh, Oregon State's best. Offensive weapon, B.J. Baylor, their running back, 1,200 yards, 13 touchdowns. Um, You know, Utah State's run defense was awesome against SDSU. That's why they they cleaned their clock in that game. Um, But overall, Utah State's rush defense on the year, really uh, not phenomenal. to say the least, uh, their defense pretty middle of the pack to begin with. Um, but then when you look at the rushing numbers, they're allowing 163 yards per game on the ground. So if Utah State kind of regresses back to what they've been doing, Oregon State should be able to win. If Utah State continues this trajectory of the last two months of the season, they've just been ascending, ascending, ascending then I think Utah State has a great chance to win. Uh, This is one of the uh, early bowl games that I'm most excited for. I I will be watching this one start to finish. Uh I am going to say that Utah State rides the emotional high of winning their conference and, and gets a little mini upset. Uh, but I do, I, I mean, how can you not love the trajectory that Oregon State's been on? Yeah, I'm going to take Oregon State, but I, you know, again, confidence pool, this is way down. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. I, I will say for the Beavers, first bowl game in eight years. So hats off mm-hmm. to them. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think that's why they have the, have a really good shot at winning because they're hungry. They want to. Get back into winning these things they call bowl games. They're hungry, hungry beavers. 
That's what she The R and L Carriers New Orleans Bowl pits the Louisiana Raging Cajuns versus the Marshall Thundering Herd. Louisiana, yes, Billy Napier is headed to Florida, but uh, they are keeping pretty much the rest of a lot of the staff in place. Uh, Levi Lewis is the best player in this game, and I I think Louisiana, the Sun Belt champs are just gonna freaking roll up on Marshall in this one. Yeah, I think the Fun Belt has uh, quite possibly passed Conference USA. Um, I don't think there's a quite possibly. I think they have. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, CUSA has bigger schools, so you would think that maybe that that could change. But yeah, obviously the CUSA. I mean, if, if, you, if you take them piece for piece, imploding. right? Like if if, yeah. if you take them, I mean, maybe we could do this in the off season. But I think that. You know, so no. I mean, you stack them up one v one, two v two. Well, I mean, San Antonio, San Antonio, and Louisiana. Phenomenal. Yeah, but Louis- Louisiana is fantastic as well, right? Yeah. And then who's the number two team in Conference USA? Uh, probably Western Kentucky. I mean, okay, they, then they were in the conference title game, and, and they're matching up against Appalachian State, which we was into, we all picked. Western so, Kentucky. Yeah. So, but then go down Coastal Carolina and the Sun Belt, like. So I don't know, but you know, you make a good yeah. point there. You make a good point. Yeah. There. Um, well, coastal UAB too, whether they're not playing each other. That would be a fun um, one. Yeah. Yeah. The the thing with for this game is Louisiana has won twelve straight games um, since that opening day loss to Texas. They are rolling. The game is in Louisiana, in New Orleans, in the Dome. It's gonna be like 90% Raging Cajun fans. Uh, I swear every time the Raging Cajuns play in this bowl game, they win it. Uh, so I'm going to go with them. Marshall, not for nothing, uh, one and two in their final three. So they might be limping a little bit into this bowl game. They'll also uh, Louisiana will also be debuting at Orgeron as their team mascot. mascot. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go to Yeah. Marshall's offense, though, is really fun. Uh, not too many, not too many teams around the country will have a quarterback with 3,400 passing yards, Grant Well, and a 1,200 yard running back and Rasheen Ali. That's pretty nice balance. Nice little combo there. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of like Kilo Ali. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, so when you when you look at this matchup, you know you can't help but you know love what. Louisiana has been able to do all season, but I, I think they kind of blew their wad last week in the send off for, for, uh, for, for Billy Napier two weeks ago, actually now at this point, but um, Marshall's offense is fun. They're explosive. And that's where I think the difference is going to lie. All right. Um, next we go to the mediocrity bowl. Sorry. I mean the Myrtle beach bowl presented by tax act. Wait, wait, wait. How does Myrtle beach have a bowl? I don't, why would they not have a bowl? How There's no stadium. Bowl? I don't know, Coach. I don't make the rules, but they also have probably the worst matchup in all of the bowl well, no, games. No kidding, they're the Myrtle Beach Bowl. I mean, if if you can get teams to go to Shreveport, Louisiana, I think you'd much rather go to Myrtle Beach than Shreveport. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I didn't say or Shreveport Mobile. A, I didn't think Shreveport deserved a bowl either. <laughs> Birmingham. This, this is 
Like, well, I'm, I'm just naming random cities now. Is, is, there, think, is there one in Hattiesburg? Is there a bull in Hattiesburg? There might as well be. I'm um, asking of now. There's one in Montgomery. Exactly. Camilla Bowl. Everyone's favorite. Camellia Bowl, yeah. Camellia so, Bowl. anyhow, this game, Old Dominion in Tulsa. You cut all these bowls. And I mean, this is <laughs> this is on Monday at 1.30 in the afternoon Central Time, 2.30 afternoon Eastern. This might be the single lowest yeah. rated bowl game. Like, I'll I, watch. Okay, I, I'm not. I'm. I'm. Well, I'm not because because I'll also be on the car on my way up to see you. So I got a. I got a Nielsen. Oh, Matt, I'll DVR. We can watch it when you get together. It. Yeah, I'm sure that's just what our significant others want to do when, like, the, the one time a year we get to hang out is watch the Old Dominion versus Tulsa Myrtle a, Beach Bowl presented by Tax Act together. I got a breakdown game tape on uh, Hayden Wolf, the ODU quarterback. You want to? You want to eat some tape? Yeah. Uh, look, I completely forgot that ODU made a bowl game because they started the year gents uh, one and six. <laughs> so they won Winners their last five straight. Yeah, they won their last five to get into this bowl game uh, of their wins. Probably their best was uh, bowl team Middle Tennessee. Uh, Tulsa, though, I mean, bigger conference. Uh, Tulsa is such a small school, so I don't know if better resources is necessarily the thing, but a higher <laughs> profile conference. Sure. Uh, they won their last three. They beat Tulane, Temple, and SMU, a bowl team. Uh, they gave Cincinnati some fits, 28-20. Um, they gave Oklahoma State fits, 28-23. Uh, this Tulsa team's gotten better and better. I'm going to take the golden hurricane and fun fact there's a youtube video of tulsa having uh they've got a building right up against their football field there's youtube clips of uh kickers hitting field goals that then smash windows into that building yeah i would say design flaw maybe (laughs) maybe or just get stronger glass i don't know yeah so whoever uh maybe maybe they need to do a fundraiser to get some glass that doesn't shatter when it hits Gets it. I, I guess this is the best conversation we can have about this bowl is Tulsa's windows in their stadium. So, um, again, I may have to DVR this too um, because I, I think I think I'm gonna uh, well, I think I'm gonna comb my carpet. Uh, that, that sounds more exciting. Or uh, watch the grass grow. Uh, you can watch some paint dry. All right, let's yeah. head out to Boise for yeah the famous of... Idaho Potato Bowl versus one of the biggest surprises of the year versus one of my biggest disappointments of the year, uh, Kent State in Wyoming. Kent State made Kent it to State the such Mac... a good season. They're playing in two bowl games, <laughs> so made it to the MAC title game uh, where they lost to the Illinois. Nonetheless, Dustin Crum another solid season out of him uh, versus Wyoming, a team that I was super high on, and they just they peed on their leg. They were awful this year. So, I mean, the fact that they made a bowl game, kudos to them. But they like, they barely beat Connecticut. Like, th- this team, I, th- I had them in the Mountain West title game. I think I might have had them winning the Mountain West. And well, they, they beat Utah State, so they beat the title team. So, I, I mean, guess transitive property here. But still, Kent State. Transitive property says they're better than Ohio State. Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, so, yeah, Wyoming... Started at four and zero, but they man, beat, that was a flimsy four and zero. Yeah, but they beat Northern Illinois fifty to forty three and Ball State forty five to twelve. So they're two and zero against MAC teams. 
Uh, if that means anything, I don't know if it does. Um, yeah, this this might be the lowest one for my confidence for for picking it. I I really don't know the head spaces of these two teams. Kent State coming off a loss in the MAC title game. Wyoming coming off a stretch of football where they went two and six. Um, I, I don't know the headspace of their team. So I'm just going to go with Kent State because uh, until that MAC title game, they were rolling. I'm going to go with Kent State here. I mean, I, I think that when you look at them, I, they're just their trajectory is a little bit better, I, I think. And Wyoming has been disappointed all year long, just like Matt said. Um, so much promise for them, not a whole lot of delivery. And uh, Kent State, I think, is um, they're playing some pretty good football right now, too. So, all right, go. finally, the tropical smoothie cafe Frisco Bowl in Frisco, Texas. We've got the University of Texas San Antonio Roadrunners. Maybe, maybe. There we go. Versus the San Diego State Aztecs. And this is going to be a doozy. This is uh, the best of maybe the first round of bowl games. Two really strong teams. San Diego State going to be looking to get back on track after losing the Mountain West title game. UTSA, you know, best season in the history of their program. Uh, looks like Harris is going to be back 100% ready to go for this. They got a great tailback in Sincere McCormick. I mean, you know, San Diego State is, you know, no slouch either. Great defense, but I, I got to believe that UTSA is going into this game all, you know, all focused up and putting, trying to put the cherry on top to the greatest, uh, the greatest season in program history. Yeah. San Diego state just, you know, the, it's weird to say an 11 and two team is trending down. They are. Um, but you know, you look at since that loss to Fresno, their offense has just imploded. 17 to 10 at Hawaii, 23 21 Nevada, 28 20 at UNLV, 27 16 Boise State. They're, they're wins, but some razor thin margins against not very good teams. It all came to a head when they got obliterated by Utah State. And a little side note this Roadrunner team, they're really good. I mean, we know that, but even more impressive, they're really building something in that title game against Western Kentucky ESPN reported their attendance at 41,148 in the Alamo dome. That's a hundred percent capacity. In fact, it's a little bit higher than a hundred percent because ESPN is also reporting the Alamo dome capacity at 36,000. Um, the game is in Frisco, Texas. I know Texas is a big state, but this is a drivable trip for Roadrunner Nation. I think they're going to show up. I think they want to end the season in the polls, and 13-1 and is one hell of a season. Give me the Roadrunners. Coach? Yeah, give, give me the Roadrunners, too. I mean, I, I think when you look at South, South Dakota State – um, South Dakota State would be a better matchup right now, but when you look <laughs> at San Diego State uh, in, in this matchup, I you know they played so well, only to lay an egg and get dominated by Utah State in the title game. UTSA has been 
they've been our bearing the lead segment all season long for good reason. Mm-hmm. They've been explosive. They've been physical on defense. They, they've kind of had a kind of one of those total package type seasons. Uh, you know, when, when, when you look at the way they've been playing, I, I think it's, again, the short trip is also something that's very underrated. They will travel. They will have fan support. So it'll be a de facto home game uh, for them. There's, they have a great, great sponsor for the bowl, endless supply of Paradise Point smoothies. And uh, so shout out to Tropical Smoothie Cafe. Uh, if you want to sponsor more than just a bowl game, let me know. Hmm. So um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously uh, going the way of me, me. That's yeah. my pick. That's going to be the pick for you and for all of us. And that is going to wrap up the show for today. We'll be back with our part, bowl preview part two here early next week. So until then, Josh, do you I, have something to add? Just one really short thing. I know we're a college football podcast, but uh, my uh, high school alma mater, we had a, a death in our family. Um, Iowa City West High's longtime wrestling coach Mark Ryland passed away at age 52. This guy um, won multiple state titles as a wrestler, won multiple state titles as a coach. He also wrestled at Iowa where, what a shocker, he was a national champion wrestler in 1991, two-time All-American. His dad was my high school's athletic director for a long time also. So um, RIP to Mark Ryland, one hell of a coach. Uh, Friends of mine from high school that were on the wrestling team were were pretty devastated by um, uh, unexpected loss he was young man was, yeah 52 um we don't know the cause of death it just says short illness in his obituary but uh um big big impact on the iowa wrestling community you're here very well said josh very well said so all right folks well uh that's gonna do it for us here today on the illegal motion college football podcast so on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton, in the Music City, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten Accounting, Josh Cook, in the Windy City. This is the Professor Emeritus in Nashville saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.